Hey guys, this is The Gathering Podcast. Really glad you've decided to check us out. We have teachings from Sunday mornings. We have what we call cold reading, where we read scripture that we'll be looking at this coming Sunday. And occasionally we'll have a testimonial or an interview with somebody who helps with The Gathering. Hope that you enjoy this, and let's dive into today's content. Is a, it's a real familiar scripture. I'm sure that you guys will recognize it pretty quickly once you hear it. But uh, basically, let me give you a little background on what's going on. We have Moses, who's like the, the prophet of Israel, and he led them out of Egypt, and he's protected them, and he's taken care of them. He went up and met with God, and he got the commandments and, and how God wanted them to live. And he comes back, and he's telling them kind of Deuteronomy is like a, a recap of all that. And it's like Moses is goodbye. Like, I can't go with you into the promised land, but I just want to give you some really good advice before you go. And so it's like 30 chapters, so it's not just a little snippet. But in chapter 6, he gives them this command. And this is called the Shema, which is a Hebrew prayer that daily Jews around the world start their day saying this prayer. It says, Hero Israel, chapter 6, verse 4. I'm just going to read verse 4 and 5. It's real small. It says, Hero Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And I don't have the scriptures, so don't even try. (laughs) The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. So this simple, simple little saying, this little scripture has so much to unpack in it that I was trying to remember to post some helpful study videos on Facebook. And I'll put the extra ones up there because there's a lot in each of these words. The reason it's so small and concise is because their language really means something. So when it says here, oh Israel, woo, when it says here, it's actually a very, very distinct, it's not just, don't just listen, you know. I know we've all either had somebody around us or we've been that person. I'm that person quite a lot. When somebody's talking to me, especially like yesterday, they were talking, my uh, wife and her family, they came to visit. And they're my family too. I'm not just disowning y'all. They're over there. Everybody say, hi, family. You know, <laughs> embarrassing. But um, they're talking and Eunice is like, did you, did you hear? I'm like, look, look, I'm listening to you. I didn't hear a word you said because I, I was taking care of the barbecue and all this stuff. And so when it says hero Israel, It's that same word that you see a lot of times in the rest of the Bible that says, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Sounds kind of repetitive because like, what else am I going to do with these ears, you know? But let's be honest, we don't always hear. Sometimes we listen, the words just sort of go in and then they sort of go out and then you're just like, what? And people get mad at you and, and they're like, don't you ever pay attention? And it's like, well, I'm paying attention to the things that matter in here, but I'm sorry that your words didn't. But when he says, hero Israel, he's start, starting it off like, okay, put down, put down your bread, put down your hammer, whatever you're doing, this, pay attention to this. This is super important that you get this. Okay, and then he goes in and he starts with this saying, which also seems like kind of a duh statement. He says, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. And so you read that and you might be kind of like, what? The Lord, our God is one. Well, who else would he be? He's himself. And and remember that the Lord, whenever we read it, and this is your Bible study trivia, um, but whenever you see that word Lord, if you notice, you got to have really, really good eyes to, to not catch this because we read over it, but it's, it's capital L and then it's capital O-R-D, but they're smaller t- typeface. Whenever you see that, 
That's the proper name of God, which would be Yahweh, which means I am that I am, which is what he told Moses when Moses says, who am I going to tell you sent me? And he said, tell them I am sent you. And so I am means the Lord is who he is. It's almost like you'd think that in this culture, they wouldn't need to establish that there's a God. Well, he's establishing I'm the God and I'm one God. I'm not Zeus and I'm not Hades and I'm not all these other beings that are fighting to control your life. I am the God. I made everything. I did it all by myself. I've told you all this joke before, but it's worth repeating. Um, you know, there's some scientists that come up to God and they're like, hey, we, did, we figured out the key to life and, and we, can, we can do all of this stuff. And he's like, oh yeah, go ahead. And they're like, well, first of all, we're going to take these amino acids. And God goes, whoa, 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 get your own amino acids. And because God did everything, he created it all. And you know, you know me, I'm a good talker and like to debate. And we could debate the question of, did God do it all just like that? Did he, did, is God the proponent of evolution? We, I don't know. I'm not, that's not the place. But if you ever want to have that conversation, let's grab coffee. We'll talk it out because I haven't figured it out 100%. So I love talking to people who know more about that stuff and bouncing ideas off them. But the point is, nothing is here without this God, Yahweh. He is the whole reason we're here. And, and somewhere along the line, somebody came out and was like, you know what? Need it to rain today so that the crops will grow. Why don't we pray to the God of the rain? And then like, isn't that the same God? Well, yeah, but specifically this God. And then they probably thought, well, what does he look like? And they're like, well, you know, it's rain. It's a water. He's probably a fish. So let's put this fish up here and let's make sure that we got a technical difficulty. Oh, you're just one of those guys. I don't want them looking at me. <laughs> so so we, would get, we would get a fish god, and they'd be like, this is the fish god, and they would name him something that sounds like the word water, and that's why, actually, you know, I'm giving you all more Bible trivia than you probably want, but it's fixing me Thanksgiving. You ain't going to hear it from me for a long time. But like certain words, like when you have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those are the names of the gods of Babylon. Abednego, Nego was the water god. And it's because that word Nego is similar to the word for water in that culture. And so you have all of this happening and all of these gods and all of these things. And it's funny because we, we have our Amer American and modern gods today. We have the god of social media. I need to get those likes so that I can be more popular. We have gods like money. And, and those gods have more spiritual names that I don't care to remember because I got, I got limited processor and memory up here. So I got to make sure what's up here really, really counts. But there were names for them that, that we, wouldn't, we would be like, oh, that's a weird name. But it's the same principle. There, there were gods for power. There were even gods for their country. The goddess Roma was the god of Rome. And in order for Rome to be successful, you had to make sacrifices and pray to her in order that the empire continue to survive. And if we're not careful, and I'll walk a fine line too, but I give you a warning, if we're not careful, that same spirit of worshiping Roma can become the same thing that controls our love for our country. And I'm gonna, we're going to break that down a little more because loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and all of your strength can put you in a place where you can love your country even better as long as God is above that love of country. And so as we go through the rest of this, we've figured out that God is one. There's no other God. There's all these other ways that the world is creating. And, and, and it's because they want to have some control over God. 
One of the commandments that he gives to Israel, don't make an image of me. They're like, well, we want to set up an altar. What are we going to put up there? Everyone else has like cool things like eagles and, you know, bird skulls and stuff. We want to put something up for you. And it's like, don't. I'm too big for that. You know, one of the reasons that God created the heavens and the stars is just so we can look up and be like, man, that's awesome. Who did that? God. You know, and just think, man, if there's a picture of him, if you've ever seen the Milky Way and it late at night and the country sky, it's just like, that is so much. And it looks just right there, but we know it's just, just immensely far away. And it's so epic. Or when you stand next to the ocean, it's just like, it just goes on. You know, and, and we think that, that God's fine with us using these, these symbols or these things to describe him. And, and yes, there are instances where we have some things that remind us of the things God has done but they cannot take the place of his image because we are that image also. And if you look around, there may be a few people in here who kind of look alike, like the twins. But other than that, you know, we're all very uniquely created. We're all uniquely expressive. And this is another thing, we'll dive into this a little more, but the way that we love the Lord with all of our heart, mind, and strength comes out differently in each one of us. And I think God's like, that's the way I planned it, because otherwise it would be boring if you were all exactly the same. And then you would be irreplaceable. But in your uniqueness, in the you that God created, you live this out just the way you can. And some people get frustrated with that because they're like, well, how come this person isn't this? How come they don't care about this as much as I do? Think about the two sisters who served Jesus. One was Martha and she was the busybody getting things ready. And, and sometimes I'm Martha, and I want things to be perfect. There comes a point, though, and it, and it definitely came out this morning when someone came up and they're like, where's the offering box? I'm like, it doesn't matter anymore. We're time to sit at the feet of Jesus. If they want to throw their money, they'll find a way to give us their money. I believe it. Now, every other person on staff will probably shoot me, but I'm like, it's time to be at the feet of Jesus, people. And then there was Mary, the sister who, while Martha's doing all this stuff, she just wanted to be there. And, and Jesus didn't say, Martha, Martha, you know, you're, you're wrong here. She said, Jesus said, your sister just chose what's better, not what's, what's correct. It's better to just be with me. What you're doing is good. Jesus had to eat. His disciples needed a nice place to enjoy. That's fine. But what's the most important thing? And I think if you learn to do that and be okay with where your heart lands in that, you'll find that you can live a fulfilling life because you're not looking over it like, Man, Brooke is so much more spiritual than me. She does the crossword puzzle and the coloring page. I just do the coloring page. Well, maybe you're artistic and maybe she's a word person. Or, or maybe so-and-so has an analytic brain and you have a musical brain. And, and that's okay because it takes all shapes. Remember, we're a body that's made up of all different parts. And, and they get very broad saying that, you know, the hand doesn't say to the foot, I wish I was a foot. But we know that inside of our body, there are cells and there are, there are liver cells, and there are heart cells, and brain cells, and each of those cells may, may have some similar components. Sorry to go into biology class here, but they're different, and one would not work. One would not survive apart from its place. And so we get into this. We get into this prayer, and we find out that God has something that he wants of us. He asks us some very Simple, not necessarily easy things. He says, this is it. If I'm the Lord and I'm the one true God, this is what you need to do. And Jesus sums this up as the greatest commandment. When they ask him, what do I got to, what, what fulfills the law? He says, 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And love isn't just a feeling. Love is an action. Love takes something to respond to it. And the great thing is, I don't know if you know this, but God loved us before we could even love him. He loved the world. And that world in that scripture doesn't mean like the world, like specifically the people he knew he was going to save. It's the word for the good, the bad, and the ugly. He loved the world that he sent his son, that whoever believes, and that belief is part of that love. It's an action. 1 John 4, 19 says, we love God because he first loved us. And and it's true in our, our human relationships. It's easier to love somebody who, who is loving to you first. And, and that's what part of Jesus' whole ministry is he would go to these people who were outcasts and outsiders who maybe didn't like religious people because they had told them something or they had said, before you come in here, you need to wash your hands and have the right dress on because that was their whole culture. You, you came and I showed people this in the description. It's good with all these lines, but basically you have the temple where you can come if you're not Jewish and you can get this close to God. And then you have this next line where you can come and you can get this close to God if you're a woman. And then you can go to the next line if you're a male Jew. And then you can come to this next line if you're a priest. And then you can come even closer to the closest if you're the one high priest that gets elected that year. But Jesus changes all of that, saying anyone can come to me. They can come to the Father through me, repeating this thing, saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The Lord is one. There are not multiple ways to heaven. There is only one way. And and that, again, we could unpack for 30, 40 minutes in itself. But Christ comes so that it's not an elite group that have access, but actually that the whole world can have access. And you know what is one of the coolest things ever? Just to stress this point, there's the, I think it's called the Church of the Holy Announcement, which is where the angel supposedly appeared to Mary. And in this, this church, they have like 30 different paintings from around the world depicting the Virgin Mary holding the baby Jesus. And you have got to see this. It's amazing because there's, there's paintings from like New Zealand, China, Japan, Africa, South America, Central America, the whole world. And guess what? None of them look alike. None of them are hardly even close. And it's so cool because you see this and you're like, man, I got an image of what I think Jesus looks like. And maybe it's a little, a little more rounded out because of my studying and things like that. But there's these paintings and like, you know, the Nigerian painting or whoever. I mean, that, that Jesus and that Mary, that black as can be. And it's just like, man, I never thought, you know, that in that part of the world, they might see Jesus looking more like them. You know, or in Chinese, I'm like, Jesus was not Chinese. He did not look that way. But it's little Jesus. and He's got these little round cheeks. I'm like, that's a pretty cute Chinese baby painting. But, but that's what some people see. When they understand that Christ came for you, they think, well, if he came for me, he must look like me. And of course, I imagine when we get to heaven, it's going to be something amazing and incredible. And, and I, I'm sure Jesus will look like more than you could have ever hoped for or imagined for. But he asked us simply to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and might. What does it mean to love the Lord with all of your heart? We tend to think of the heart 
as this, you know, touchy-feely emotional side of ourselves. And, and to understand what this means, we got to think like the people who wrote this. Remember, you know, we, we had a kind of off-topic discussion in Sunday school about Shakespeare. The kids know how to distract me. I'm sure by now they realize they can make me talk about anything if they just say the right words. But we're talking about Shakespeare, and they're like, it's so hard to understand. And so I'm like, you need to watch Romeo and Juliet, the modern version with Leonardo DiCaprio. Got to shout him out. You know, because it's said in modern times, but they still use the language. And so you hear the words in the Shakespearean English, but you see them acting it out like if they were modern time. And so your brain kind of makes that connection to understand what they're saying, what's going on. And you get more of the emotion of the words because I was a high schooler and I read that stuff and I was like, this is so boring. But now that I'm a lot older, I appreciate that art a lot more. But it definitely helps if you can get out of the context of right now and step back in. Like they say, like, I bite my thumb at thee, sir. And we're like, what is, I bite my thumb all the time when I'm talking to somebody. It doesn't mean anything, but that's like a big insult. You know, when you did that, you're like, you know, we're going to scrap after this, you know. And it's funny because you're watching these guys like, you know, gangsters and whatever, um, and they're, they're biting their thumbs or whatever. Well, they're not biting their thumbs, but they're saying it. But you know they're getting into a fighting mode. So when they say heart, I want to tell you this to let you understand something. They, they had no concept of a brain back in the, in the world. This was like 6,000 years ago. When, when they talked about your thoughts and, and, you know, all of your, your choices, the desires of your heart, um, you know, where, where you made your decisions, it was in your heart. They, they had, there's mention of a heart attack in one of the, the prophets. And they talk about all this stuff, but it wasn't a common thing. They didn't just crack people's brains open and be like, there's a thing in here. What do you think it does? Let's focus. You know, it was the heart that they figured this thing is pumping blood through your system. And you can imagine being that they warred a lot, that they saw some pretty gruesome things and, you know, stabbed somebody in the heart and the blood starts squirting out. They're like, hey, that's what's causing the blood to go through us, you know, but that's what, that's our engine. And therefore it must be the center of, of our choices. It must be the center of our will and all of that kind of stuff. And so when he says to love the Lord, your God with all your heart, he's not just saying, think nice thoughts about Jesus but tune your mind toward Jesus. And we're going to get to what, what it means with the others, but tune your, your whole thought process. Take the desires of your heart. When it says that he'll give you the desires of your heart, it actually talks about lining ourselves up with the Lord first, and then he'll give you the desires of your heart. Same thing when Jesus says, ask anything in my name, I'll give it to you. It's like, come on, I want to dodge SRT. And it's like, no, 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 no. But I'll use it to take meals on wheels. I promise, Lord. You know, it, it, we got to get in line with what he wants us to do. And then he'll line us up. You know, where's the college that you guys want to go to, youngins? What do you want to do with your life? Do you, you want to be rich and famous? Do you want to be, you know, a, a doctor? Do you want to do these things? The, the question to ask isn't what do I want? but what do you want? And the same goes for the rest of us. You know, we're, we're not done. We don't just reach a plateau and it's like, okay, I've given my life to the Lord and here I'll stay. You know, that certainly wasn't the case for Israel. And a lot of times when we do plateau, that plateau actually kind of becomes shaky and usually falls apart because God takes us, it says, from glory to glory to glory. And yes, we fall down. And sometimes those are really, really messy falls. But he doesn't change us, and he continues to grow us. Even when it's a difficult place, he's still taking our heart and shaping it and transforming it. 
and he's never done with you. You don't reach retirement age and he's like, okay, out of the way, time for the next group. He continues to use you. He continues. And so when we hold that in our hearts, I know there's, there's burnout. And I know that sometimes we get stuck at our job or, or a class or, or in a relationship and we just are like, I've had enough. I'm done. I'm not putting up with this junk anymore. I'm over it. it we will never reach that spot with the Lord. If we keep giving him our heart, he's going to give us even more to follow. And he's going to keep taking us places. And be careful because one day you might end up in Africa. <laughs> but you'll love it. I guarantee it. And then he says, love me with all of your soul. And we have to, we have to break away from our old way of thinking because a lot of us think of soul. And we actually think of it's, it's a Greek thought that we're an empty vessel. We're like a little pot. And inside of us is a soul that God has put in there and said, here's your soul. Take care of it. I'll, I'll get it back from you one day. But that's not the way these people thought. For them, the word soul actually is the same word for neck. Really weird. But like when it talks about how certain people like had things happen or, or you know, things come into you through your neck, they enter through your soul, um, not the eyes. Ironically, I know that the whole gateway to your soul is the eye. But um, when it talks about how um, Joseph was led away, it puts the word, the rope was around his neck, but it's the same word for soul, which it's, it's nephish. This is the best way it says that, that the rope was around his nephish. Or, or when you see a dead animal, it, it doesn't lose its soul. It actually is just a nephish. It's just a dead nephish. So this kind of changes the way that we see or think a lot because I, I think everybody has that image of you die and your soul goes up to heaven and, or it goes to the place to wait for heaven. Again, more complicated than we have time to go into. But this thinking actually changes the way we look at this. When they talk about the soul, you don't have a soul. You are a soul. When they, when they used to, to write how many people were on board ships, if you look at like old like sailor stuff from the 1800s, they would talk about like the, the HMS Surprise, you know, carrying this much cargo and carrying 230 souls. You know, it wasn't that there were just ghosts on the ship. You know, they were actually, they were the people. And so when the soul is mentioned, it's talking about your whole person, everything about you, your, your physical existence, all your capabilities, and your limitations. We tend to think that with all things, God is possible. With all things, God, my son may grow up to be a super athletic person, but at this point, seeing how fast Samantha's passing him up, I'm afraid he's just going to have to settle for his mom's genes, okay? <laughs> he can be a weightlifter. Short weightlifters are better, you know? But um, it's just like there's some things that we have that are limits on us. And, and, and we can look negatively at those limits. I'm not as fast as this person. I'm not as smart as this person. I'm not as articulate as this person. I, I told Eunice one time, I think it was recently, I told her, I said, I, I have a hard time studying the Bible or listening to people talk about the Bible because as, as good as I am about teaching, when I analyze, I do it more from a feeling and artistic way. Like I watch a movie, like I watch Romeo and Juliet or things like that, and I see Christ in it. And then I, I don't use that to shape how I, I read the Bible. I use the Bible to shape how I, how I see Christ in those things. And, and it, it's hard for me to look at people who can break stuff down and do it so easily, whereas for me, it's, it's a lot more challenging. And I'm just like, gosh, if I just, how come I didn't get that? I've heard this like, you know, for, forever. And then all of a sudden it just clicks. 
because something in my mind sees something and it, and it just makes sense. I, I, you know, honest, honesty hour, confession hour, you'll get a lot out of me here, but, you know, I took those classes like youth ministry and psychology and I, I failed them because I just did not have the analytical brain to deal with that stuff. My, my final paper, um, the, the professor comes up and he's like, man, you have a great, fantastic paper on youth ministry. I can tell you really love working with students, but you left out all the psychology, so I'm going to have to fail you. And I was like, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I did hate the psychology part a lot. <laughs> so when we think about our limitations in terms of them being a curse or a weakness, maybe we should say, God, show me why I have these limitations. And maybe they aren't a breakthrough and to overcome. And maybe sometimes they're to protect or to remember that your hand needs the foot, your eye needs the ear, and we're not made to do it alone. We're given a helper, we're given a family, we're given this body. And the last one is might. And this is the most confusing one because it gets translated sometimes as all of your strength or all of your power. And what it actually is, and oh, I should have wrote this down, but it's, it's not a word, it means muchness or it actually means very, which I think is very, is it an adverb, Brinley? She's my go-to on this kind of stuff. You know, it, you would describe that I am very strong or I am very beautiful. But in this term, when it says might there, it actually just says, love the Lord with all, all of your muchness, all of your very. And it's like, what? That doesn't make any sense. And what he's saying is, is give God everything, every opportunity, all of your power, all of your wealth, all of your mind, the capacity you have within you, love the Lord with that. Love him with that. And, and you know, all of this is fine and it's, it's wonderful to look at and study, but if we don't understand how do we do that, then we might miss it. A scripture that I want to leave you with is Ephesians 4.3. It says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Verse 4, there is one body, there's that one word again, and one spirit, just as you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And it's hard to be unified when we're all so different. And we can't just make everybody be the same. That's chaotic. That, that's, it's not chaotic, but it's, it's just not the way God created it. It's not the way he designed it. And he tells us, that we're supposed to consider the needs of others greater than our own. That's Philippians 2.4. If you love me, keep my commands. John 14.15. And if we understand that God loved us first, it doesn't come off as, if you love me, you better keep my commands or else I'm not going to love you. It changes to, look, I love you so much. And if you really love me, do the things that I know are best for you. Follow me because, you know, and I'm horrible about this. You know, when we watch a movie, I'm like over here on Wikipedia, like, what, how does this movie end? Where's this going? You know, and Eunice is like, would you just enjoy a movie? I'm like, I just want to know, woman. And, and sometimes I think we want to know. And God says, just trust me. I'm the writer, the director, the producer. I'm the props department. I've done everything and it's going to work out. But man, that journey may just really just be the worst thing ever. It may be so hard, but God is faithful. Even when we are faithless, how do you love God? How do you love your neighbor?
The Bible says if, if you have seen Jesus, you have seen God. And we saw Jesus do a lot of loving people who were way weaker than him, who could not pay him back. And it was pretty thankless. Talking about Thanksgiving, I guess I'll tie this in here before we wrap up. But in one of the best stories about Jesus, somebody asked me, how many people do you think get it? And I said, well, if we look at percentages, they're pretty bad. Because one of my favorite stories about Jesus is there's 10 lepers. And they, they all get healed. And he says, go present yourself to the high priest. And as they're on their way, they're, they're going back still sick. And all of a sudden, they realize they're healed. And only one out of the 10 comes back to Jesus and says, it was you that did it. And, and I don't know if, if they immediately left and went on their way or if they were on their way to the market and said, okay, after the market, after my work day, I'm going to go to the temple because I really got to pay these bills. And then somewhere in the middle, they were like, oh my gosh, I'm better. But somewhere along their daily routine or on their way, one of them noticed something had changed in him and it was because of what Jesus had done. He immediately went back to him and said, thank you. How do you love your neighbor? Don't think too spiritually about it because you'll miss the true opportunity. Maybe mowing their lawn. Maybe bringing them some of that pumpkin pie that they've been smelling you cook for the last 20 hours and it's just not fair. Maybe they don't have anybody. Maybe it's a kind word, a Christmas card. Maybe it's just a phone call. Maybe it's something heavier. Maybe it's paying for the groceries of the person in front of you who's struggling to find the extra cash to make it. Maybe it's just telling somebody I love you and, and forgetting that they've hurt you, forgetting that you've struggled with them for a long, long time and just putting yourself aside, saying I don't care about being right. just want you to know I love you. And it's not easy, but if, if Jesus could show us how to do it by loving people who who literally beat him, who cursed him, even, even Paul, the apostle, who, who dragged his followers. I mean, think of it as this way, taking his children, taking God's children and sentencing them to death. And yet Jesus comes and says, Paul, Hey guys, thanks for joining us again and look forward to hopefully seeing you one day at the gathering or if you're just a digital subscriber, keep listening, send us your prayer request and uh, reach out to us if you need anything. Have a blessed week.